Lord, we thank you, Lord, for life. We thank you for the opportunity you've given us to come before you once again to learn at your feet. We pray, Lord Almighty, that in the lives of everyone that is here today, you will do that which only you can do. In the name of Jesus, Lord, you will speak to every one of us in a way that we will all hear you and will understand you. In the mighty name of Jesus, honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay, you're all very welcome to today's uh, second worship experience. You know, like I said uh, during the first service, um, yesterday when we had the prayer meeting at um, CMM, as we rounded up, so I asked everybody there and said, okay, does anybody have anything you want us to discuss or comments? And one of the guys just said, happy Valentine. So I was like, okay, I know why you're saying this. Because you just got married. So the Valentine is still, you're still having the carryover. Okay, it's fine. Praise the Lord. I pray that every day of his life will be a Valentine. But it's also okay that you can turn to your neighbor at this point and say, happy Valentine. Uh, Praise the Lord. Just in case you didn't get anybody to wish you that on on February 14th. You can say it once more, so you have a double dose. Say happy Valentine. <laughs> you know, on Valentine's Day, there was this broadcast that was going around, and um, it was very funny to me. So one, one, the broadcast said that um, the guy that the Valentine's Day is named after, that this man, Valentine, he died for love. That's, we know Romeo and Juliet, right? And so Romeo, too, died for love. You've seen uh, the film Titanic. The guy there, Jack, he died for love. If you look into ancient Greek history, Hercules and Achilles, they died for love. In the Bible, Samson died for love. Jesus died for love. So where are all the women? Is it that the women they know how to love better? Eh? They are love. (laughs) Or you people don't die for love, you live for love. Mm, Okay, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. (laughs) All right, praise the Lord. Today has been announced and published. We'll be talking about rooted in God. And we'll be taking our text from Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. New Living Translation. New Living Translation. Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. NLT. Are we there? I will read. He said, But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope 
and confidence. They are like trees planted along a river bank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of droughts. Their leaves stay green, never stop producing fruits. Praise the Lord. The Bible says they are like trees planted along a river bank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of droughts. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruits. Praise the Lord. What are roots? Roots is more like the the part of every plant, be it a small plant or a tree, but the part of every plant that is um, submerged on the ground, in the soil. And it's, uh, I mean, to, to come, I mean, to extract from whatever definition that they give to roots, uh, there are three basic functions that every root exhibits. Or, the, or as the three basic functions that every root has for the plant or the tree. The first function of the roots is that the root forms the anchor of that plant to the to the soil. It is the root that keeps the the, the, the plant or the tree in its space in its place. Without the roots. The root, the, the tree can be blown away, can be fell, or anything can happen to it. It is the root that provides a firm base for the tree. It is the root that provides stability for the tree. Not just the tree alone. It is the root that holds the tree. And of course, by association, the leaves, the fruits, the branches, every part of the tree. Without the roots... The tree is as good as dying. Praise the Lord. The the second function of the roots to any plant or to any tree is that the root is the one that takes up the water or the minerals from the soil. The things that the tree needs to grow, it is the root that looks for it and takes it or processes it and transfers it into the tree for its survival. It is the root that determines where its food is or how it's going to be processed. Praise the Lord. And the final task of the root is that the root is the part of a tree that stores up its food, either for present day use or for future use. The root is the part of the plant that stores up its food, either for present day use or for future use. Job 14, 7 to 9 says, even a tree has more hope. If it is cut down, it will sprout again. And grow new branches. Though its roots have grown old in the earth and its stump decays, at the scent of water it will bud and sprout again like a new seedling. 
What the Bible says here is what the Bible says here is that if you have a tree and you cut off the tree but you leave the roots in the ground because of the food that it has stored up over time, all it needs is just water. And there it goes, it begins to spring up. When I was growing up, my uh, in, in, where, in my house where we grew up, we had um, space that was not used to build houses, you know. So we used to play around with uh, a lot of um, plants. I mean, we were growing all sorts of stuff. We had coconuts in the house. We had bananas. We had uh, regularly vegetables and stuff. And I think it was good education for us because for someone like me that had never been to the farm, that's the nearest I had to how food was being processed. But I remember when I was growing up, when, when there was a particular time that uh, we had a lot of bananas and plantains, and they, they were growing and doing so well, and they had almost become like a, a problem. Problem meaning that if, you, if you've ever known how a, a banana, uh, uh, what they call it, a stalk, how it grows, it grows... If you have a stick coming out, at the root base, you just have many other ones springing up and stuff. So it was going out of uh, control. And everywhere, we couldn't even see through again. We couldn't even see the fence anymore because they were just clogged up. So we had to begin to trim them. And I remember my mom told me then that if it's banana, that the only way you can kill it and stop it from growing is that when you cut it off, you have to pour salt on it to kill it. Because for as long as its roots is still in the ground, it's just one drop of water, poo, it's coming out again. Why? Because it must have stored all that it needs for it to blossom, for it to come bouncing back in its roots. Now, based on these functions that we talked about, that the roots provide to every plant or every tree, it means that the root is so important because if it is the same root that provides stability for the entire tree, it is this root that provides food for the entire tree. It is this root that provides water and nutrients that knows where the water and nutrients is for the entire tree. It is extremely important. It's an extremely important part of every plant or every tree. Yet, it is usually invincible to the highs because it's always underground. For us as Christians, we are like a tree. And we always have roots, every one of us. What kind of roots do you have? What type of roots do you have? And we'll talk more about that. Our roots, just like in a tree, our roots is what keeps us anchored, what keeps us stable, what keeps us firm. Our roots is what provides nourishment to us. Our roots is what provides the energy for us to bounce back, especially when the challenges come. A tree is cut down, but if the roots is there, the tree will bounce back. Same thing, when the challenges come for us, where, what is our roots like? Where is our roots 
getting its source from. Praise the Lord. So what type of roots are there? I did a little research. I went back to uh, biology to do and do research. What's that uh, textbook they use for biology in secondary school again? Modern biology. Ababio. Do they still use Ababio? Eh? They still use it? Wow. That man will be very wealthy now. Okay, praise the Lord. So I went back and did a little research and I discovered that there are two main, two main types of roots. And there's the type, uh, the tap roots and the fibrous roots. The tap roots and the fibrous roots. The tap roots are the type that grows usually in one major direction, one single point, and it just keeps going deep straight into the soil. And the fibrous roots are the type that you will typically find with shrubs, you know, where you have a lot, plenty roots, but they are all scattered, in di- going in different directions. And, I mean, each of these two roots has different characteristics. I will be doing a comparison of the two roots now. Praise the Lord. Yeah, but majorly, there are two types of roots, the fibrous roots and the tap roots. So, comparison number one. For the fibrous roots, when they begin to grow, they have no particular direction or purpose. They just go in every direction, just scattered. But the tap root goes in one singular direction. Praise the Lord. Ephesians 4.14 says, Then we will no longer be immature like children, we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind, every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. For us as Christians, if I were to relate this to us, if we live our lives like the fibrous roots, it will be tantamount to us, meaning that we have no particular focus and we just run in all sorts of directions. Like the fibrous tree, just growing in different directions. If today they say, okay, um, it's uh, the, 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 the anointing, let me say, for instance, as a churchgoer, if they say today that the anointing is at uh, Ikorodu, then everybody's running to Ikorodu. And if tomorrow they say it's in Leki, we're running again all the way to Leki. Being tossed around by the teachings of men, by the doctrines of man, and not necessarily by what God says. The taproot Christian, in contrast, just like the way a taproot functions, has only one focus, and that is Jesus. And he pursues it all the way. He pursues it. While I was doing my research, I came across a tree that uh, is, is in the Arizona desert in the U.S., and the people studying the tree said that the root of the tree is estimated to be at least 230 meters deep. 230 meters deep. Just the roots alone, not even the tree. Now imagine how firm that tree is going to be. 
Praise the Lord. So, if we were to compare the fibrous and the taproot, the fibrous root is similar to someone that is not focused, someone that has no purpose. He's just being blown around, being blown around by all sorts of doctrines, all sorts of teachings, and, uh, and doesn't have any strong belief, something concrete that he can hold on to. The taproot Christian is a different person. He's focused solely on Jesus. Sorts, all sorts of wrong doctrines going out there. Uh, you've heard about the once, once saved, forever saved doctrine that some Christians are preaching. That once you give your life to Christ, no matter how long, how many times you backslide again, you are bound to go to heaven because you have accepted Jesus once and for all. <laughs> Big lie. But that's the lie that some people are being sold and they are believing it. You know? What does the Bible say? You know, Pastor shared with us last week concerning uh, marriages that the Bible did not say, as a lot of people um, erroneously communicate, that the Bible did not say, um, marry, marry the person that you love. The Bible didn't say that, but the Bible says, love the person that you marry. Two big difference, two big statements and major difference. Praise the Lord. What is God saying concerning you? And is that what you are holding on to? Or you are being drifted around and move, shaking around like the fibrous roots? Praise the Lord. The fibrous root has no content. It has no, no depth. Praise the Lord. It has no depth. Because it's easy to uproot. That's the second uh, comparison now. It has no depth. It's easy to uproot. Like I gave an example during the first service, that if you went to a secondary school like mine, where we are allowed, even whether we did right or wrong, but they can still tell you to just go and cut grass, praise the Lord, that those days, there are some shrubs that you see that no matter how big they appear on the outside, when you see them, you know that this one doesn't have roots. And you just pull it and yank it out. Right? Okay, I can see some of you nodding. So I'm not the only one that went to that kind of secondary school. You know, and you pull the, the plant and you yank it out. Why? Because you can tell that this one has very shallow roots, fibrous kind of roots. When you bring the roots out, it's plenty. But each one is tiny, tiny, no value, no content. They can't last, no depth. But occasionally, while cutting, you will see some plants that, if you attempt to even use cutlass, single plants, usually they're not even very fat. If you attempt to use cutlass to cut it, they're strong. When the cutlass doesn't work and you try to pull it out, it's not going anywhere. Why? Because its roots is grounded. Even most times, those kind of plants, most times, when you eventually still succeed at cutting it, the roots are still there. Come back in a couple of months, it's growing again. Why? Because they have depth. For us as Christians, how much depth do you have? How strong is your belief in God? Are you following the bandwagon? 
If they say, okay, oh, let's go to church. Okay, everybody's going to church. Okay, me too, I follow them. Or you are following them to church really because you believe in the power of Christ. How deep is your faith? How deep is your faith in God, in Christ? Praise the Lord. Second comparison between the fibrous roots and the third comparison between the fibrous roots and the tap root is that just as we said, when you pull out a, a typical shrub that has fibrous roots, you notice that the, the roots are plenty, almost uncountable. Praise the Lord. The fibrous roots always depends on its strength in numbers. He thinks, oh, my strength is because I have plenty roots. Meanwhile, the tap root is not dependent on that. The tap root always focuses on one. It knows that the power behind one is enough to sustain it. The power, the single power, the power that, that, that we have with Jesus alone behind us is more than what the entire world has. The Bible says, he that is within me is greater than he that is in the world. Our strength is not in the numbers as Christians. Our strength is in the quality of the one singular person behind us. Scripture has it in 2 Kings 18, 13 all the way to 2 Kings 19. It's a long scripture, so we're not going to read it. But I'll just run through the entire scenario there. King Sennacherib, the king of Assyria at that time, was raiding through the land of Judah. And he got to where King Ezekiah was king. And the Bible says that he built a fortress around Judah. And Ezekiah had heard about all the various places that this guy had dominated and killed. Ezekiah not only heard, Ezekiah saw what he had built around his empire. He saw the plenty of soldiers that were around and he looked at his army and said, ha, if we attempt to fight these people, our numbers, these people will drown us. They outnumber us. So he decided to try and negotiate his way out of that problem that he was. The Bible says that he, he, wrote, he sent some emissaries to King uh, Sennacherib and said, okay, look, I don't want trouble. I'm not looking for your trouble. What do you want? We will pay you to leave us. And King Sennacherib said, okay, you want to pay me? No problem. And he charged him 11 tons, 11 tons of silver and gold. Praise the Lord. Because he really was a man of peace and wasn't looking for trouble. He searched everywhere. Raked all the money that they had. All the gold in the treasury. And gave it to this king. The Bible says that it still was not enough. That he went into the temple and began to cut off. Because the the temple, the, the door handles in the temple were made of gold. The Bible said that he began to cut off even the door handles, just to be able to pay this, in quote, ransom. But guess what? 
even after paying. The guy still said, I'm going to invade the land. This is a lesson for all of us. We cannot negotiate our way with the devil. Because he's never going to play fair. You cannot enter into negotiation and say, devil, okay, I'll give you this. Don't trouble me. Mm-mm. His job is to trouble you. Praise the Lord. The only way to be able to fight and win against the devil, the only way to be able to win with the devil is to face up to the challenge and fight him. Of course, not with your strength, but the power of the one that is behind you. Praise the Lord. Senator still said he was going to invade the land. And at that point, Ezekiel had nowhere else to turn to. Then he, remain, he remembered at that time the power of God, the power of the one and only God that was behind him. And he turned to God. And God sent a message to him. I said, don't worry, Ezekiah. By this time, tomorrow, King Sennacherib will hear a rumor that he is needed back at home. And he will leave. And when he is gone, he will be killed and will not come back to trouble you. Praise the Lord. And the Bible has it there in the last verse of verse, uh, chapter 19, Second uh, Kings chapter 19, the last verse there. It says that by the time, let, let me read that so you understand. You know, it's Second Kings chapter 19, the last verse. Okay, I'll read from 35. It says, then That night, the angel of the Lord went out to the Assyrian camp and killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. When the surviving Assyrians woke up the next morning, they found corpses everywhere. Then King Sennacherib of Assyria broke camp and returned to his own land. He went home to his capital of Nineveh and stayed there. One day, while he was worshipping in the temple of his god, Nisroch, his sons, Adra, Malek, and Shareza, killed him with their swords. His own sons. Then they escaped to the land of Ararat, and another son, Esaradon, became the king of Assyria. Praise the Lord. We need to be fully assured that we need to believe, for us to be rooted in God, we need to believe that the power behind our God alone is all the power that we need. We can't begin, continue to operate like the fibrous root that depends a lot on the multitude around. Or the, 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 I'm thinking that everything is dependent on the, the amount of people around us. One with God is all. One with God is all that's required. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Another point that I didn't talk about in the first service comparison is that the fibrous roots, they are quick to grow. They are quick to grow. And they also die very easily. But the reverse is for the tap roots. They take longer to grow, but they last so much longer. They last so much longer. There are records of trees, of single trees that are still alive today that have, that's, I mean, they, 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 there's a claim that they've been around for like four, five hundred years and they're still rooted in the ground. 
Praise the Lord. They're rooted in the ground. Without deep roots, we merely exist our, and our lives are shallow. Unless we are deeply rooted in spiritual principles, we do not and cannot develop into individuals of stature or what? Such as we are really intended to be. If we feel sure that if we felt sure that our roots were deep set and established enough to withstand whatever storm comes along, then our morals should not be shaken by any winds that might blow around. A guy called George Eliot said that no human being can live a whole and awesome life unless it is rooted to some particular spot in the soil. No human being can live a whole and awesome life unless it is rooted to some particular spot in the soil. You must be rooted in something. For everyone that lives a strong life, for every one that lives a strong life, there are two aspects of, the, of your life. There are two aspects. There's always the roots and there's the fruits. Always two aspects. There's always the relaxation side and the tension side. Anyone that is strong, there's always a leaning back and there's always a pushing forward. Praise the Lord. There's always a leaning back, there's always a pushing forward. He or she who cannot do one cannot do the other well. Imagine a tree that does not have roots. Will it be able to bear fruits? Imagine someone that wants to hold something yet refuses to release his grip. So he wants to hold this and he's trying to do like this to hold it. To hold it, what do you have to do? You have to release to hold. You, can, you claim you're so strong, you're so strong, you're so strong, yet there's no room in your life for relaxation. You know, that's even one topic that I find very, very funny in Nigeria. You know, um, we work so hard. You know, Nigerians are very hard workers. We work so hard, and yet we don't have a relaxation culture. We work five days a week, Saturday, Sunday, we are working. And there's never room for, for relaxing. As a matter of fact, there's a, there's a proverb in Yoruba that says, Ojo kul, ojo simi. Have you heard that? It means, uh, in Yoruba, it means uh, it, the day you die is the day you rest. No. Even God rested on the seventh day. God designs us that for us to be very effective, there must be a period of rest. Pastor shared his own strategy with us some time ago. What does he do on a daily basis? He deflects daily. What does he do on a weekly basis? He withdraws weekly. And what does he do on an annual basis? He abandons annually. You may find your own code. Find your own strategy. What does it mean to deflect daily? That you have to find out for yourself. What works for you? Nigerians began to think, that's okay, I must have holiday, I must relax. Then when God blesses you, you have enough money, you travel abroad, you claim you are going on holidays, you go for two weeks, 
And the whole of the two weeks, you are going from one mall to the other, shopping. And you come back from the so-called holiday. Instead, what you did was you went to the markets. Then you come back from the holiday tired. And in your mind, you have gone on holiday. But in your body, praise the Lord. To develop roots, strong roots, there is a need for us to be able to get this balance. With strong roots, you can withstand any wind. And this is what we are urging. So how do we develop roots in God? How do we develop roots in God? Number one, prayer. Number one, prayer. Psalm 5, verses 2 and 3. Psalm 5, verses 2 and 3. It says, listen to my cry for, for help, my King and my God. For I pray to no one but you. Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I bring my request to you and wait expectantly. Praise the Lord. The psalmist is saying that there is no one else that he will cry out unto. And he's telling God, he's making it clear that Jesus, I have no other plan B. I have no other plan B. I have no backup. It's you. It's either you do solve this matter or not. The truth is that we are only a pray, we're just a prayer away from a, a change, a transformation in our lives. The secret of a close relationship with God is to pray to Him earnestly on a regular basis. That is how we can develop a relationship with God because relationships are built and developed based on communication. If you claim that you have a relationship with someone and you don't talk to the person often, over time, what happens? You get, become separated. You become estranged. Such that when you even see each other, you don't know what to talk about anymore. But if you maintain the communication, gist will always flow. Praise the Lord. If the communication is constant and regular, you will always have something to do. So I ask myself, why is it that some people at times find it difficult to stay in the place of prayer? Or why is it that they find it difficult to pray? There's a strong erroneous belief out there that prayer is like a one-way traffic. It's just one person talking and talking and talking and talking and you have no, you're not even sure if God is hearing When we pray, God hears. And not only does God hears, God wants to talk to us back. The challenge is, do we hear him? Do we know how to hear him? If you don't know how to hear from God, I pray that today, Lord will open your ears of understanding. In the name of Jesus. God speaks to us in different manners. He can speak to us through dreams. He can speak to us through visions. He can speak to us audibly. He can speak to us through others. Various ways. 
If you don't know how to hear from God, I will encourage you, please, after service, stay back for NCR, New Creation Reality. We'll be able to even do a deeper dive with you on how to hear from God. Praise the Lord. To develop a strong root with God. A strong root in God. There's a need for your prayer life to be transformed. There's a need for constant communication in prayer. Praise the Lord. Second way to develop roots in God. The second way to develop your roots in God is that you must feed on the word. You must feed on the word. Psalm 1, verses 1 to 3, says, Blessed is the man, KJV version, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Psalm 1, 1 to 3, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor seated in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And it shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth its fruit in its season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Praise the Lord. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That is, the man that delights in the law of the Lord, and in this law doth he meditate day and night on a continuous basis. Praise the Lord. You know, just this week, um, one, of the fellow, one of the ministers shared a meal uh, with us and was talking about um, some, it was a meal from uh, a, a blog or something, where there was a discussion around people that were in the U.S. and they were asking them, uh, why are you not in church? Why have you changed church? This and that. And the excuse they were giving was, man, that church, I'm not getting what I want. I'm not getting the meat. They're not feeding me well. Have you heard that before? Have you heard that before from people? You ask them, why are you not in church today? You stay at church. It's not, they're not on fire. Praise the Lord. Without saying, yes, every church today is on fire. You know, we know that's not the case. But the truth is that the ultimate responsibility to be on fire is not the church's responsibility, but your own responsibility. Praise the Lord. By the grace of God, God's favorite house is on fire. Praise the Lord. But imagine, let's, let's, paint, let's try and uh, paint a picture here. Service ends probably in another 30, 35 minutes and you decide to leave and you go to a very nice restaurant around or any place where you, you like to have food, maybe mega chicken, let's use mega chicken as an example. Then you go to mega chicken and you look at their menu. You know they have a lot of varieties there and you order for the best of what you want and you order for the quantity that you like and you sit down with a big bowl or big plate of food and you begin to eat and eat and you eat to your heart's delights. You eat to your, you yourself, you say, uh-huh. and you are happy, right? Then because you have eaten so much today, 
you decide to go on and you won't eat again until next week Sunday. How would you feel by Tuesday? Irrespective of how much you hurt today. Okay, not even Tuesday. Some people are even saying tonight, self. Eh, the food would have quickly digested, have you? That's exactly how it is. No matter how well fed you may get fed from the altar on a Sunday, if you don't take the personal responsibility of feeding yourself on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, and you wait till Sunday, you will become malnourished. You will starve. And you go about saying, mm, that church, they are not on fire. The responsibility to eat meat is yours. You are the ones that have to pay extra attention to feed on the word continuously. Just as the psalmist says, he says, meditate on the word day and night. Not just meditate, but delight in meditating on the word. Consider it your food, just like you cannot do without food. Pick up the word of God and read, digest it, swallow it, feed yourself. Because like we learned earlier on, the roots is a place where food is stored. If you don't feed it now, in the day of adversity, there will be nothing in that root. There will be nothing in that root to bounce you back. Praise the Lord. The Bible says in Matthew 4, 3 to 11, it says, during that time, you know, praise the Lord. You know, this, this story is about Jesus when he, was, he himself was even tempted. If Jesus had to fight Satan with the scriptures, how much more you? Matthew 4, 3 to 11. Matthew 4, 3 to 11, I'll read. It says, during that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no. Jesus did not say, Satan, get out of here. Jesus said, no, the scripture says. Jesus, the one who had all authority. But he still had to default to the scripture. He said, the scripture says, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then Satan did not stop there. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, if you are the son of God, jump up, jump off. For the scripture says, that means Satan himself knows the scripture. He says, for the scripture says, he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands, so you, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. This is what we talk about the doctrines of men. If you are not grounded yourself, you will see people that will take scriptures, genuine, authentic scriptures, and manipulate it and present it to you, and you will be led astray, even with the scriptures. But because Jesus was wise, he says, Jesus responded, the scripture also says, you must not test the Lord your God. Matthew 8, um, verse 8 says, Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. 
I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of it, man, Jesus told him. For the scripture says, Jesus continually used the scripture. He says, for the scripture says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. If Jesus is so dependent on scriptures, what makes you think you don't have to? Praise the Lord. What makes you think you don't have to? Feed on the word to develop your roots in God. The third way to develop your roots in God, the first one that we talked about is what? The second one is what? Feed on the word. So the third way to develop your roots in God is in gratitude. In gratitude. In all things, either good or bad, you must remain in a position of gratitude with God. Whatever situation you think you are finding yourself now, just look at it like this. It could have been worse. You think, oh, things are really bad. There's no way it could have been worse. Trust me, it could have been worse. The Bible says it is by his mercies that we have not been consumed. If not for the mercy of God, you will not even be where you are now. I use a classic example when I'm talking about gratitude. And I talk about Job. The kind of disaster that happened to Job. May it never happen to any one of us. In one day, Job lost all his children. The Bible recorded that Job was the wealthiest in the East. In one day, he lost all his wealth. In one day, he lost all his investments. In one day. The devil is a bad bad devil. In one day. And Job remained in a position of gratitude. You know, at times when we think about the story of Job, we always say, okay, maybe it couldn't have been worse. But yes, I, I, I try and picture things. It could have been worse. The Bible told us that Job kept talking and praying and mourning when he was there. He could do all of that. Why? Because he still had a mouth. What if the devil had also struck his mouth so that he couldn't talk? He still had eyes. He could see. What if the devil had also made him blind? Which he could have done. But like they say, God, nothing happens that God will not still create a room of window for thanksgiving. There's nothing that happens that you will still not have a window or a room for you to to find a place that you can still thank God. Developing your roots in God is is, is, is dependent on you being able to find that place of thanksgiving continually irrespective of whatever situation you find yourself. You think you're here, you don't have a job right now, but you're still healthy, which means you can get a job. Oh, you have a job, you haven't been promoted, but at least you have a job. 
You've been promoted, but people are victimizing you. But at least you are still there. They haven't sacked you. You are there. You have been positioning yourself. You have been searching. You need a life partner. It's as if it's not coming. You are, in quote, you think you are aging. Who says you are aging? It's never too late with God. It's never too late with God. The Bible records Abraham and Sarah that they were very old and stricken when Isaac was born. Right? Do you know that after Isaac was born, Abraham still had six more children after Isaac? Go and read it with Keturah. Six more children after Isaac, despite the fact that the Bible said, oh, he was old and stricken, as if he was finished. I tell you, you are not finished. It's not over for you. There is always a room for you to be grateful. There's room for you to show gratitude to God. If you find that place and you stay in a place of gratitude, your roots will develop. Praise the Lord. The fourth way to develop our roots in God. The fourth way to develop our roots in God. The first one is what? The second one is what? Feed on the word. The third one is what? Gratitude. And the fourth one is giving. Giving. To develop your roots in God, you have to learn to give. Acts 42, 32 to 37. I will read. Acts 4, Acts 4 32 to 37. Acts 4, 32 to 7. It says, all the believers were united in heart and mind. And they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them. Everybody say, no needy people. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give those in need. For instance, there was a Joseph, the one of the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means the son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold the field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. Praise the Lord. Anything that, if you read here, the Bible says that they did not... They felt that, they, and, and they felt, uh, at the verse 32, it says, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. Whatever it is that they owned, they said to themselves that, no, 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 this thing doesn't be, belong to us. It doesn't belong to me. Anything you can keep away from God is strong enough to keep you away from God. Maybe you didn't hear me. I said, anything you can keep away from God is strong enough to keep you away from God. Because when you begin to keep it away from God, you are telling God that that is the direction with which, uh, in which you want to grow your roots. Matthew 6.20 says, Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. 
whenever your treasure is, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart also will be. Whatever, wherever it is you position your treasure, that's where your heart will tilt to. It's a statement, I mean, and it's a, it's a true statement. So if your treasure is on the things of God, trust me, your heart will yearn for the things of God. If your treasure is in your investments, your bank accounts, your assets, your clothes, your cars, your houses, trust me, when you wake up in the morning, that's the first thing you will think about. If that's where your treasure is. The question for you today is, where do you consider is your treasure? Where do you honestly think your treasure is being stored up? If you don't have fruits, okay, the consequences of not having good roots, the consequences of not having good roots, the first one, like we said earlier on, because everything works in parallel, roots and fruits. If you don't have good roots, definitely you will not have good fruits. I gave an example earlier in the first service when, I mean, where I was growing up, I mean, like I said earlier on, we had a lot of space in the, in the compound and I had a neighbor. Do we know these fruits? That we call fruits. Good. Uh, you people, I mean, good. So that fruits that we call fruits, <laughs> I don't even know what it is, but we call it fruits. So that fruits, we call fruits. Almond. Eh, is that what it's called? Okay, thank you for the education. But for the purpose of understanding, fruits. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that fruits that we call fruits, one of my neighbors had a big tree in their compound of, of that fruit, and it was really sweet. So after school, weekends, I mean, they, they were my friends also. So I'll just go into the compound, pluck whatever I want, sit there, eat, and, you know, generally have a nice time. And it was almost like a daily routine, unless, uh, apart from the time that maybe it wasn't the season. Then one day I thought about it and I said, ah, we have compound. I mean, I can plant this thing in my, in my compound. And we planted it. Two of them, actually. We planted them. And as they began to grow, I was happy. And the tree began to grow. And it began to bring forth fruits. And when it was time to begin to pluck the fruits to eat them, I discovered that they were bitter. The tree is still there today, and it is still producing bitter fruits. I still don't understand why. All my siblings, all of us, we discuss it, we laugh over it, but it produces bitter fruits. Do you know why the tree is still standing? My mom said, leave it, don't cut it. So anytime we want to have a party or something, my mom would say, we are climb, cut the branches down, put it down for like two weeks, let it dry before the party, and that's what we use for firewood. So its purpose has changed. The tree that's supposed to produce fruits for our nourishment suddenly turned to firewood. 
And that is very apt for a lot of us. Because when we are expected to produce fruits based on us depend, uh, building solid roots, when we do not, we end up being used for firewood. That would not be our own portion in the name of Jesus. When a tree does not produce what it is, does not produce the right fruits for what it was meant to produce, it will be converted for something else. Jesus came out, saw the fig tree, was going to uh, come out, going to Jerusalem, saw the fig tree, and he, he was hungry. And the Bible says he looked into it to get a fig to eat, and there was nothing. What did he do? He cursed it. The next day, when they were passing, they looked at the tree. The tree had withered. If you exist and you are not being fruitful in what God wants you to be for, <laughs> the reverse can easily happen. Of course, another consequence of us not developing, uh, not having good roots, is that we are not stable. We'll be moving around from one place to the other, following all sorts of doctrines. You know, like I said in first service, there was a time I saw a poster somewhere when uh, the, the, the poster, the theme of the program was a, Christ, a church program. I don't know if it's called a Christian program now. It was a church program. And the theme of the program was anointing for quick marriage. Quick marriage. Yes, I saw it. Now, someone that is not rooted in God, that does not understand the Bible, that has not fed on the word, sees that kind of program. He says, ah, this is what I've been looking for. Let me go and receive that anointing. And before the end of the month, I get married. May you not get married to the wrong person. In the name of Jesus. When we are not properly rooted, we don't have the taproot kind of roots, we will be unstable. We will just be blown around by all sorts of doctrines. And finally, the last consequence is that we will, if we don't have the roots deeply rooted, if we don't have deep roots, we will always be moving on empty tank. One of the functions of the roots is to store up food, right? If there's nothing to store, what will happen? If the root is there in the ground and water is poured on it, to not board because there's nothing in it, it's dead. You need to find your roots. So in closing, I'll read a scripture. Luke 13 Six to nine. Luke thirteen. Six to nine. Okay. Luke thirteen six to nine. Tells of a, of a story. He says, "Then Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there was any fruit." On it, but he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, 
I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. The gardener answered, Sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year and I will give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. Maybe God is talking to someone here today. You've been running without fruits. And as such, has not been producing fruits. God is saying, let's cut this tree down. But Jesus is saying, let's give him another chance. And that other chance is today. That other chance is now. You are here, you want to take up that chance, that opportunity that Jesus is giving you. You want to take up that chance to come to God today. You want to accept Jesus into your life today. So that you can begin to bear fruit and you will not be cut down and turned to firewood. Just raise up your hand wherever you are. Everything I've been through Use me for your glory Lord, I offer my thanks to you Lifting my praise to you As a living sacrifice making the call once more. You want to give your life to Christ right now. Just raise up your hand wherever you are and accept Jesus. Those of you that have received the cards, begin to pray that God will step into your life right now. That Jesus will take over your life right now. And everything that may have been holding you from being fruitful, Lord Almighty will take away. Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for teaching us yourself. Thank you for those that have raised their hands to accept you. Pray, Lord Almighty, that you will also accept them in the name of Jesus. As many as have heard this word today, Lord, help us 
to grow deep roots in you. In the mighty name.